98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Aaron Tam. The headlines. The observatory says typhoon signal number eight may be raised later in the afternoon as severe tropical storm Kompasu approaches. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says making the housing authority pay subsidies to people who've been waiting too long for a flat was not a serious proposal. And Democratic Party Chairman Loken Hay says his party will still have an important role to play, even though none of its members will run for the upcoming Legislative Council election. The observatory says it'll consider issuing the storm signal number 8 between 4 and 6 p.m. The strong wind signal number 3 is currently in force. Severe tropical storm Kompasu was estimated to be about 530 kilometers southeast of Hong Kong just a few minutes ago and was forecast to move west at about 25 kilometers per hour towards Hainan Island. Here's senior scientific officer Li Tsi Cheng. With the combined effect of Kompasu and the northeast monsoon, um, uh, strong winds are prevailing uh, over the coast of Guangdong, and there are occasional gales offshore and on high ground as well. As Kompasu generally edges closer to the coast of Guangdong, its outering bands will begin sh- will bring showers and squalls to Hong Kong tonight. Our local winds are expected to strengthen further as well. The observatory had earlier said it'll deploy additional staff to monitor Kompasu. This follows criticism about public notices released by the Weather Bureau over the weekend when the city had its first Typhoon 8 of the year. Sean Kennedy reports. Earlier, the Weather Bureau said it would deploy additional staff to monitor the approaching storm amid criticism over its forecasts as Tropical Storm Lion Rock passed by the city on the weekend. People complained that the observatory repeatedly changed its prediction as to when the number 8 signal would be lowered on Saturday. Observatory director Cheng Chou Ming admitted its public messages for Lion Rock weren't ideal and hoped the forecaster would do a better job this time around. We uh, will uh, enlist more our staff, increase our manpower to uh, monitor the situation so that we have a better appreciation of the situation around and hopefully we can uh, provide a better service this time. Mr Cheng said a review would be carried out on how to improve their forecasting and communication. He described Lion Rock as a special case because the storm was more than 500 kilometres away from Hong Kong but required the number 8 signal. He also said it brought record-breaking rain. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says making the Housing Authority pay subsidies to people who've been waiting too long for a flat was just a funny idea she'd come up with. She was referring to a pilot scheme in which the government pays monthly cash allowances to applicants who have queued up for public housing for over three years. Mrs. Lam had said during a television television interview that the authorities should be made to fork out the money, but she now says it was not a serious proposal though she conceded that there's room for the authority to speed up the construction of public flats. The housing authority's flats are not private properties. It's not subject to the building's ordinance. It doesn't have to submit its floor plans to the building's department. So for sure, it can look at whether there's room to streamline its internal procedures and to shorten the time for the preparation and construction of the flats to less than four or five years. 
Mrs. Lam also says she will convene experts advising the government on its COVID-19 strategy to discuss whether some residents will need a booster shot against the virus. This comes after the World Health Organization recommended that people over 60 who've been vaccinated with jabs made by Sinopharm and Sinovac will need a booster shot. Meanwhile, the CE admitted that Hong Kong's vaccine take-up rate was not good, with less than 70% of the population having received the first dose. Ultimately, it requires the cooperation of everyone in society. Now, if a person uh, has taken a jab, what about this person's uh, parents? What about his grandparents? What about his uh, relatives and friends? Please help us to appeal to people around you that if we want to have uh, normal travel with the mainland and normal travel with overseas, if we want to be able to to uh, go to elsewhere for tourism again, then please help us to um, raise the vaccination rate to a higher level. Democratic Party Chairman Loken Hay says the party is still an important force in Hong Kong, despite it not fielding any candidates to contest the LegCo polls. He told RTHK that many members had recently become ineligible due to being disqualified, arrested or detained. Mr. Lowe added that a reasonable government should always listen to the public. Even though we are not fielding anybody to run in the Legislative Council, the Democratic Party is still a very important force in Hong Kong because as long as we can represent the people, as long as the people believe that we can represent them and we can speak for what they think about, I think that is important and I think that is a reasonable government and a responsible government should always try to listen to the public. And I believe that we will still be that voice for our vessel of the Hong Kong people. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she welcomes people with different political views to run in the upcoming LegCo elections as long as they are patriots. Speaking to reporters who asked her about the Democratic Party, the CE called on people who wish to improve Hong Kong's current situation to enter politics. The requirement to be a patriot is very clear now. We also have an eligibility vetting mechanism. I appeal to those who wish to enter politics to improve our economic livelihood and political circumstances under the one country, two systems principle to seriously consider taking part in the seventh term LegCo election. Britain is stationing two more warships in the Asia region. The commander of the carrier strike force currently deployed in the area, Steve Morehouse, said this was part of Britain's decision to refocus its support on the region. He explained the focus of the region. It's international by its design. We've been working with seven of the ten ASEAN nations. We've visited Japan, Republic of Korea. We've worked with the Canadians, the Australians, New Zealand. So it, it, it heralds just in how important the region is and, and the number of nations that want to work with us, that you know, view the world the same, want to uphold the same values. A report by a joint committee of British MPs has described the government's early response to the coronavirus pandemic as one of the worst national public health failures ever. It claimed that both ministers and scientists waited too long to bring in lockdowns last year at the cost of many lives. Here's the BBC's Ian Watson. The report says, as the virus struck, the elected decision-makers didn't sufficiently examine, question or challenge the advice they were given and became unnecessarily fatalistic about the spread of the disease. 
but perhaps more uncomfortable for ministers is the harsh, glaring light that the report shines on pre-pandemic Britain, a health service with too little spare capacity to deal with sudden surges in demand. Australia's most populous state, New South Wales, has recorded its lowest daily number of COVID-19 infections in two months. The latest figure was released a day after businesses across Sydney and the surrounding area reopened after more than 100 days of lockdown. The state's Premier, Dominic Perrottet, who spent who went out to get a haircut and have a pint of beer, says it was great to see businesses opening up again. All the sacrifices that everyone has made uh, really came to benefit businesses right across New South Wales. To see our workers uh, back in the job, uh, to see businesses opening up, uh, it was a great day for the people of New South Wales. Uh, we want businesses uh, to look forward to what is going to be a bright summer here in New South Wales. Uh, there's a lot of build-up demand, as we saw yesterday, as people went out and spent uh, and supported their local neighbour businesses. Two teenage Australians have been charged after allegedly killing more than a dozen kangaroos. The BBC's Phil Mercer has the details. Fourteen eastern grey kangaroos, including two juveniles or joeys, were found dead near Batemans Bay, south of Sydney. Two 17-year-old boys have been charged with recklessly beating and killing animals. Wildlife rescue volunteers said the alleged attack was tragic and senseless. They've named a young kangaroo that was found alive, Hope. Last year, an Australian man who was in a truck that mowed down and killed 21 kangaroos was jailed for his cold-blooded actions. A small plane has crashed into a residential area near San Diego in California, killing at least two people and injuring two others. The accident happened in the town of Santee, a few blocks from a high school. Santee's De- Deputy Fire Chief Justin Matsushita said a number of homes in the area had been severely damaged. We have two that are complete loss. Those are the ones that are completely burned. And we have an additional 10 homes that have been impacted in some way. A debris field that is almost a block as far as length and we have parts of the actual airplane strewn across at least 10 homes and into some of the streets. The North Korean leader has said his country's weapon development is necessary in the face of hostile American policies. The BBC's Laura Bicker has more. Kim Jong-un was surrounded by missiles and giant portraits of himself in military uniform as he addressed officials at a rare defence exhibition. He said the aim of his country's military was not to target South Korea and he accused the United States of creating tension in the region with wrong decisions and actions. Mr Kim said his country's most important objective was possessing an invincible military capability that no one would dare challenge. Pyongyang is under strict international sanctions to curb its nuclear programme but the regime has managed to test four new weapon systems in recent weeks. The creators of Superman have announced that the superhero's son will come out as bisexual in the next edition of his adventures. Tom Taylor writes Superman for DC Comics. John Kent is the son of Superman and Lois Lane with all of their empathy and compassion and fierce commitment to the truth. John Kent has come out as bisexual and been shown kissing his soon-to-be boyfriend, Jay Nakamura. When I was offered the gig... I had to think about it and thought about what should Superman be today, and it struck me that it would be a real missed opportunity if we replaced Clark Kent with another straight white saviour. Currencies. 
The U.S. dollar is trading at 113.27 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 15 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 57 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,048, 276 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $75 billion. To sports, Germany are the first team to stamp their ticket for next year's World Cup. Two goals from Timo Werner gave the Germans a 4-0 win at North Macedonia and a place in Qatar 2020, 2022. The BBC's James Gregg has details. Germany have become the first team to join hosts Qatar at the World Cup with a thumping victory in North Macedonia. 4-0 it finished in that one. Elsewhere, Memphis Depay scored twice as the Netherlands swept to an easy victory over Gibraltar in their World Cup qualifier in Rotterdam. Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk headed in a ninth-minute corner for the opener in that game. That game did finish six goals to nil. Louis van Gaal's side remained two points clear of Norway at the top of Group G. So for Germany, they're the four-time world champions, of course. They reached the tournament for the 20th occasion. Only Brazil who've been there 21 times, have appeared more. Uh, They have done it with two games to spare, with meetings against Liechtenstein and Armenia to come next month. In local football, the new Hong Kong Premier League season kicks off on October 23rd with a clash between rivals Kitchi and Eastern. The Saturday afternoon match at Mongkok Stadium marks the start of Kitchi's title defence. Eight teams are competing in the 2021-22 campaign with the Hong Kong Football Club and the newly established U23 side as the newcomers. In athletics, Benson Kip Ruto and Diana Kip Yoge completed a Kenyan clean sweep at the 125th Boston Marathon. Details from the BBC's at Harry. The first Boston Marathon held on the city's streets since April of 2019 celebrated two first-time winners. Diana Kipyoge broke away around mile 18 en route to her victory, while behind fellow Kenyan, former Boston winner, former double world champion Edna Kiplagat won the race for second place at the age of 41. This year's Prague Marathon champion Benson Kipruto had been 10th on his last Boston appearance in 2019. This time he pulled away decisively on mile 23. Manuela Shah, having won in Berlin and London in recent weeks, chose to miss the Chicago Marathon, which was raced the day before Boston. Her reward was a successful defence of her Boston title in the women's wheelchair race. Marcel Hoog, also victorious in Berlin and London, did go to Chicago, where he finished second to Daniel Romanchuk. On Monday, he defeated the American to win Boston for a fifth time. To the weather forecast, fresh to north to northeasterly winds, occasionally up to gale force offshore and on high ground. It'll become cloudy with winds strengthening and squally showers tonight. The outlook, windy with heavy rain and squalls tomorrow. Seas will be rough with swells. There will still be occasional showers in the following couple of days, becoming cool over the weekend and early next week, with temperatures falling progressively in the morning. The current temperature is 26 degrees with humidity at 65%. The news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, the 12th of October, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew today. And since it's Tuesday, you know it, we're going to be catching up with Andrew Dambina, our Tuesday reporter, on some updates on global and local food news. That'll be just after the 2 o'clock news. But before all of that, we'll be hearing about the launch of the first ever Pangyao magazine, which is a free lifestyle magazine for Hong Kong's migrant and domestic workers. We'll be chatting with Aileen Alonso and Martin Turner, who are the founders of the social platform Pangyao and of course the publishers of Pangyao magazine. They'll be joining us in about 10 minutes or so and so feel free to comment and weigh in. You can join us 